Welcome to Building a Better World, a podcast that investigates the intersection of the metaverse and how we can apply these technologies to improve people's real lives and enhance humanity. The metaverse is more than a web of networks. It is an unfathomable life-shaping tool. And we, our friends, are here to dive headfirst into the way these technologies can improve our life and the world around us. I'm your host, Rish Lotlakar. Get ready to discover how we can build a better world in three, two, one. It's really awesome today to have my friend Sarah Simeone on the Building a Better World podcast. It's great to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Rish. Thank you so much, everyone, for having me here today. It's such a pleasure to meet you finally. Thanks again. I'm very excited to you know, learn more about your work and you have such a dynamic background of things that you've worked on and would love to hear more about all of that and you know, kind of uh, what got you on to where you are now. Maybe as a starter, you can maybe start by telling us a little bit about kind of your background and, and your story and, you know, kind of what sure. got you to, to this point. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. I mean, I, I always talk about my story. Well, I mean, I actually started my career in uh, in a very corporate background. I mean, corporate companies like WPP and uh, and then I moved to actually Vistaprint. That was another, you know, big comp- American company uh, opening their offices in uh, in Europe. And then after that, uh, I moved to uh, Sweden, where I actually worked for a big company, a cosmetic company, and I opened their uh, e-commerce and web two department, let's call it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after that, I moved back to the UK, where I actually worked for Dan Suigis. And, uh, you know, there I was actually responsible for data strategies and uh, working with big, big brands to actually, you know, put together like, you know, strategies for their uh, businesses, for their programmatic advertising. And, uh, you know, that was actually quite the beginning, let's say, of my interest towards uh, blockchain. And that was actually 2016, because I was in the in the meantime, I was working full time, but I was studying part time at the Manchester Metropolitan Metropolitan University. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the reason why I'm in Manchester today, by the way. Nice. Um, I live there. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I mean, then you must know this, that you must know and love this city. It's a beautiful city and it's growing every day. And, uh, you know, back in uh, 2016, I was actually doing a lot of research around machine learning and blockchain. I was very interested in, uh, you know, understanding how we can actually really handle data in a different way and become owners of our data. And that was actually the title of my uh, my dissertation, and that was 2018, how machine learning and blockchain will have an impact on the future of uh, digital marketing and data. And that research, basically, that was 2018. So it really, like, you know, opened a lot of doors for me, especially Crypto Valley. It was like, you know, the beginning of Crypto Valley. I, I joined the CV Labs at the time as one of their mentors. And then from there, I just basically forged beautiful friendships and uh, collaborations. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm basically co-chair of the startup working group at uh, Crypto Valley Association. And I'm also keeping my foot in, uh, in Sweden at the same time, because I'm also uh, teaching at the Media Institute Blockchain for Business and Law. 
to uh, amazing like you know students uh, that are doing you know starting to become blockchain developers so yes I'm, i've got a lot of different hats wow that is a, a real comprehensive set of things uh, that you're you're working on yeah i definitely understand manchester and and i lived uh, in whitworth park on oxford road oh, long ago. yeah so <laughs> love that place. it's very interesting and uh, was in Stockholm last summer, so definitely uh, right. love to, you know, talk more about what you're doing in in Sweden in general. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. And tell me more about Nifty's uh, .io. Kind of what left you yes. led you to founding uh, that, and what's the goals and aims of, of of your company? Absolutely, absolutely. So we actually started at the beginning with a company called Digital Oracles, and that was mm-hmm. our first project. Mm-hmm. And that was actually because I was uh, mentoring so many startups, we wanted to create a more meritocratic way for companies to actually get selected by investors. And whilst we were doing all of uh, that research and we were building that platform, that platform is still live, but it is still active. We realized that there was a feature of that platform that was loved so much by our user. And that was actually the unlocking features of uh, pitch decks and pitch documents in general. So we thought, like, you know, with Sebastiano, Sebastiano Cataudi is my co-founder, is my, you know, my own, like, you know, my best friend, my guru, my co-founder and CTO of uh, Nifties.io as well. So I have to do a big shout out for him because without him, we wouldn't be here, you know, today. So celebrating, actually, and I will, I will tell you more about this later. So what happened basically is that we saw that there was this um, this feature. And so we decided, why don't we just, you know, transform all of these uh, documents and these activities into NFTs? And so what basically happened is like, you know, that was the beginning of NFTs. We thought, okay, the first use case was our own use case. You know, as you know, as uh, startups, we share a lot of information with people. And then this information gets shared with other people and you don't know what happens. Um, and you don't know if this information is taken for, you know, good reasons or, you know, other types of reasons. And, um, you know, so what we decided basically was to tokenize our pitch deck. Uh, and that was actually the first NFT we created, tokenize our pitch deck and also our video demos and uh, all sorts of things. And of course, I mean, Seba and I are so much into Web3 that we thought, OK, let's build a true Web3 platform. You know, we are so, uh, you know, we're, we're very focused on this. Like, you know, we are so into like, you know, decentralization of, you know, everything really power. And of course, I mean, data and uh, all of that. And we said, OK, let's build this. Um, and so we did. And so in um, we had this idea. And then in uh, January last year, we, we were selected by Brink and Animoca Brands to join their, their accelerator uh, mm-hmm. called Launchpad Luna that now has become ZK Advancer. And uh, from there, basically, we started our journey and uh, we launched our platform, premium platform, basically in November last year. And today we are celebrating because we just launched our uh, new light version of the platform. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I will tell you more about that uh, later on anyway. Yeah, we'd love to hear about that. What, can, can you tell me more about yeah, it? You just kind of what, what are the just kind of a high level, you know, as you're of thinking course. about light, what are what are the goals and kind of how do you position yourself in the market? And we're very yeah. close to Animoca and the team there, they're doing amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As I as I mentioned before, right, our goal has always been to educate, inspire people and democratize access to web3 
so that was basically like, you know, these are the pillars, the fundamental pillars for us uh, where we started. And we know that NFTs are so much more than just images, especially when we talk to businesses, because, you know, even if I'm now work full in Web3, but, you know, I still think that we should let's say, create a much easier access for businesses to get into this space. So that is basically when we decided to, you know, discuss like, you know, how can we just do this? And we went on and on and on. And then we decided, you know, we said, okay, light bulb moment, like, you know, we want everyone to own their own milestones forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is actually based and underpinned by something that I created uh, last year that is called the input economy. Mm -hmm. You know, in uh, in Web2, it's very, you know, we're used to give away things for free. You know, we're giving everything away, our data, our knowledge, yeah. our documents, our pitches, everything is away for free. Why? Because we always hope that tomorrow, you know, someone will purchase whatever we are trying to sell. And or they will be convinced by how great we are. And uh, therefore, they will most likely, you know, become our customers. And that has brought us to actually, you know, use and misuse the freemium models, for instance, or lead generation models and much more. Whereas I believe that, you know, Web3 has actually opened a brand new way of, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, how we perform what we do on a daily basis, because we can really you know, monetize every single step that goes into the creation of an output. And that's why I called it like, you know, the input economy. And that is pretty much very, very similar to, you know, to how protocols work, you know, monetize what they're doing. So it is very similar. And, you know, that's basically when we decided to actually create, uh, you know, Nifty's in, uh, in Nifty's light as well, because obviously we wanted like, you know, businesses to and content creators to come on board and easily start in creating NFTs because I spoke to so many, we, we as a team, we spoke to over 200 different businesses, mm -hmm. medium-sized businesses and even corporates. And mm -hmm. their biggest problem is like, I don't want to, I don't want to actually get a wallet. I don't want to have anything to do with crypto. And even if we had a, you know, a wallet, I mean, I would have mine, you would have yours. You know, what, how is this going to be managed at a central level? Mm -hmm. So that is basically when we decided to create like, you know, very simple way for businesses to create a wallet with their email address and a password. Mm -hmm. And we do all the Web3 things in the background. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our goal is to empower them to actually own their own, you know, NFTs, keys and everything. And so we see this almost as a Web 2.5 step, something mm -hmm. that they can do before they actually, you know, migrate to our Web free platform the premium mm -hmm. platform and they can just finally start using this uh, you know uh, nfts in and you know web3 in the correct way but mm -hmm. you know this is also a fantastic way for anyone to actually mm -hmm. get started very simple and easy uh, no use of uh, crypto no use of uh, you know wallets you know so and i'm so happy that today actually we launched today and uh, you know we already we already had like you know our first client was just basically like launched a you know, an event in Australia, and wow. uh, we received fantastic comments. So I'm just very excited. And what do they? And would you mind telling the story of kind of you know either this client or you know what are some business use cases? Because the reason I'm asking is, you know, as as you know, Superworld is a, a virtual world that's really focused on how do we bring utility using you know immersive tech, Web three, and AI 
to real people in their real lives, whether they're business owners, whether they're, you know, involved in their community, whether they're doing something as a hobby, et cetera, you know, how do we enable them to get into Web3? And so some of these use cases that you're starting to see with maybe your light product, you know, I think are interesting to our audience because they are interested in, you know, understanding how they can use this technology, whether it's an NFT or just Web3 in general, to do something that's beneficial to their business or their real life? 100%. So I would like to start perhaps from uh, the definition that we give to NFTs. We look at NFTs as keys that unlock special content that is either stored on-chain or off-chain. Yeah. And that also unlock beautiful places in the metaverse, potential yeah. opportunities for all of us. So when we're looking at NFTs from this point of view, then we see the reaction of many businesses and uh, they are just basically saying like, oh, wow. So does that mean that I can hide whatever I want behind this? Uh, you know, I, I unlock this door and I see whatever I want behind this. It was like, yes. And that's why Nifty's as a platform actually is, um, you know, meant to, you know, just make people redeem NFTs, the content of the NFT. So you can actually upload up to three documents or links on Nifty's and then you can just basically set the content as private or public. Mm -hmm. So it's. So that you don't want, if you don't want to share it on OpenSea or on our gallery, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can set it as transferable or soul bound, mm-hmm. and then you can either send it to specific people or to everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, why am I saying this? Because I mean, this is also bringing a lot of different use cases. The client we had today, which is actually a legal tech firm with over 100 different consultants around the world, mm-hmm. had an event, and uh, they were actually looking to pop as uh, you know a way to actually yeah award them like you know make them like you know hey you have attended this event right get our badge that use case was not good enough for them because they had slides and they had like you know they were doing a a session about ai and legal and so they had like you know a drawing that they wanted to um to give to their attendees and then they had their their deck uh, and then they had like you know other material and so uh, nifty's was perfect because i mean then they created the nft and they added all this content behind and then they downloaded the qr code that mm-hmm. comes with the nft and they printed it on the table put it on the table and everybody basically you know scanned the qr code and access this you know nft with an email and an address and a password mm-hmm. but this is just an example we are actually also collaborating with the Manchester Metropolitan University soon. And mm-hmm. uh, they are, we are talking about, you know, potentially like, you know, adding the CVs of some of these uh, students behind an NFT, you know, and also, I mean, potentially doing some other projects that they, they do, like, you know, and uh, put their scores and their uh, templates and their results behind that. It's like some sort of, like, you know, book that they are starting to collect. That's what yeah. it is, really. And we also have recruiters. We actually have, we're going to launch a partnership uh, soon with, uh, I can say this, with Digital Gurus, which is uh, mm-hmm. a UK-based uh, recruiter. And with them, we're going to have a lot of different use cases. We spent hours and hours brainstorming and the team there, especially Ethan, a big shout out to Ethan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is just an amazing recruiter. And he had a lot of ideas, like, you know, for instance, we can, you know, we could almost like, you know, that's where I would like to go. Like, you know, if you have a database, you know, you can actually 
take parts of that database, you can store parts of that database into the NFT and you can give access, you know, gated access to specific people to that database that changes over time. Now, this one could actually be dropped as an airdrop, of course, for a new customer, but you could also monetize that through the premium platform. So you could monetize access to all of this data. So instead of, uh, you know, using your customers for their own data, you can actually monetize your data in a much more different way. So, you know, I'm not reselling the data. I'm actually, you know, using my primary data, my first party data, and I'm actually just making sense of that data, aggregating in the right way, and then selling access to it. Now, this is actually smart business. And it's like, you know, also ethical business, which is very different from what we've seen so far in Web2 in many, many cases. Got it. No, that's great. It's definitely, um, you know, opens a lot of business owners' eyes to what's possible. And you said education and, you know, other partnerships in that way. You know, what are your thoughts? And you mentioned it earlier, and maybe you can define it on the use cases for soulbound tokens. Like, how, how do you describe those? And, you know, I think it's a newer concept for some listeners. So yeah. would love to hear yes. your thoughts on that, as well as, you know, how can those be used by business owners in as differentiated from just normal NFTs or other use cases? 100%. Actually, we have another partnership that is going to come up soon. We are in the process of finalizing a few things. They're based in Asia and they are basically betting developers. So they also offer, uh, they're an ed, an ed tech company, an education tech company. So they provide courses for these developers and then they vet them and then they provide them with uh, work opportunities, job opportunities around the world. And, you know, the idea here for Soulbound Token, the way we describe it is that they are not transferable to someone else. So, you know, if I say that this, I vetted this person, that they, I give them a certificate, they cannot transfer that certificate to their friends, for instance. And this is just one example. But we have another example that is also another partnership is going to come up. Sorry if I mentioned all of these things, but we've been working so hard for the past, uh, you know, few months. And we just basically, all these partnerships are going to come up in the next few weeks. So we are talking to an award company. As you can imagine, like, you know, there are so many awards. So in November, for instance, we were shortlisted as, you know, the um, most innovative NFT project in the UK. And then, of course, super rare one. But, you know, still, <laughs> it was just nice. But it was organized by uh, CTAM, which is like, you know, quite a, a, a nice, very interesting, you know, uh, reputable magazine. And Crypto AM, the subsidiary of CTAM. But what happened there is that I can tell you now that I've got like, you know, they have been shortlisted. But, you know, perhaps there is an article, but is that really true? But, you know, what if actually they were going to issue an NFT and I would mint it like, you know, right there at the event, you know, then it is actually something more interesting. And then, of course, you can make it soul bound because I cannot transfer it to some, you know, other company, you know. Mm -hmm. So that is basically like, you know, in an ideal uh, how we explain this to businesses we believe that you know the best way to explain things is to actually maybe make it with examples yeah that's uh, a really awesome use case events or awards or certifications you brought up education and and job listings and things like that i think those are really uh interesting 
ways that uh, this technology can be used to, you know, provide that verification for what someone is saying and what someone's received and a way of kind of seeing their accolades. That's really cool. You know, I'm curious about, you know, as we're talking about brands and businesses, a really interesting concept is, you know, the metaverse and Web3 enable brands to be able to, you know, be created from scratch now that can be more, you know, metaverse native or web three native and be able to, again, you know, utilize these technologies in a way that a traditional brand wanting to get into web three might not be as well positioned to do. What are your thoughts on, on that? You know, what, like, what are things that if you were going to, you know, if you put, if I put, yourself in the shoes of a business or a brand, you know, what are things that a brand or a business, if they're creating a product or, you know, an event or anything, how do they think about becoming a a Web3 native brand? And what would that mean for a brand like that, that maybe a Web2 brand misses out on? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I totally get the question is a bit, yeah. and it's a big, big issue, right? Because we, uh, together with the team, every Wednesday, we actually issue what we call Web3 pills. Mm-hmm. So Muscano is actually my team. Uh, she researches the market, looks at different type of, uh, looks at different type of brands who are entering the Web3 space, and then we just basically research and uh, write nice tweets about them. Uh, but it's not only for that reason that we're doing that. Uh, that is a way for us to do some competitive analysis, but also to be on top of things. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing, like, you know, a lot of very interesting use cases coming up. And, of course, I mean, the first one is definitely, I mean, I'm Italian. I need to talk about Gucci, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just like super Gucci, like, you know. And and that is interesting because I mean, when we're looking at uh, this kind of fashion brand, I always have a very strong opinion about this. I remember when I was working for Denso, for instance, I had a big fashion uh, luxury brand, fashion luxury brand that I was uh, managing as a client, and uh, I remember vividly that um, they were complaining even if they were appearing like you know on the the second page of Vogue right now which has always been like you know very similar I mean in in, from that perspective right you know they always look after their brands and uh, where it is displayed but then you look at it now and you are seeing it on a website like OpenSea where there is absolutely everything on that and that for me is uh, a change in uh, you know a shifting mindset and i think that shifting mindset is very important and that's the first thing that i think you know web2 brands who want to get into web3 need to master is Mm -hmm. that you know understanding that this space is open to everyone unless you actually want to create your wall garden but we've got enough of wall gardens in web2 so Mm -hmm. i think that you know we just basically need to learn how Mm -hmm. to master you know the open web3 and that's the first thing. Then, of course, I mean, we need to look at the team and skills, mm-hmm. right? Because we're always talking about, like, you know, well, advisors here, advisors there, look at Porsche, right? You know, that was mm-hmm. a bad example. Uh, you know, something bad, really bad happened there. We will never know. But, you know, a lot of people on social media, for instance, claimed, oh, it must be their advisors. But, I mean, actually, and that's what we've been advocating for so many months. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into web 
three, mm-hmm. first, you need to upskill your internal stakeholders and your employees. If you don't do that, you will never know what kind of questions you need to ask your advisors. And that is so true, not only for Web3, but also mm-hmm. for any new technology that you want to integrate and implement into your business. And I know that because that is actually part of it. I've been integrating new technologies in businesses for all my life, my career of 22 years now, which is like, you know, feels very long. And I think, you know, it's just like, that is like, you know, very, very, very important. And then the third one is like, for sure, I mean, do your own research and make sure that there is like, you know, some sort of contingency plan in place as well, because things in this space go wrong and can go very wrong. And especially around brand reputation, you know, so having like, you know, very good PR team there in place, like, you know, that is firing like, you know, uh, for for you, like, you know, in your defense is definitely very important. But it's also like, you know, about the community. And I keep saying this all the time. A lot of Web2 brands underestimate the community element of Web3 because, I mean, they looked at their community where their customers, right, before in the Web2 space. But now in the Web3 space, community needs to be built and perhaps they are not even your customers. They can be, you know, some somebody that's like, you know, interested in your project. They're just coming by and just say hi, it's in your Discord channel. And that is like, you know, alien for a lot of brands in the old way, in the old school, like, you know, in Web2. So I think it's all about like, you know, back to mindset, right, shift. Mm-hmm. Everything is connected. Yeah. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah, right there. no, that's a really, really great set of answers to that question for a brand to think about and what's the differentiation of getting into web three natively and or you know a web two brand what would they have to change in terms of their mindset and their you know stakeholders and and their ability to engage their community in a different way so i think that's that's super powerful and do you find that when you talk to brands that that's an easy conversation Ah, an easy conversation. I don't know about that, Rish, actually. (laughs) I think, you know, it's definitely... So what we know is that everybody wants to get into this metaverse, okay? Every single time we we speak to a client, they always tell us about the metaverse. We need to master the metaverse. And I totally understand and get it because it's just like, you know, it's it's becoming a very busy space and uh, people are confused and it could become very expensive for brands as well right to create their own assets and just you know to uh, create of course i mean educate the team get potential like you know external resources to support with that it's not easy but obviously you know they we always need to say like you know we need to tell them like first start with the basics and the basics for us are like you know nfts If you understand how to master the NFTs and how to create assets, how to actually, you know, understand this technology, then it's so much easier for you to get into this metaverse and understand how to also like, you know, start monetizing all these assets. But there is another element here, and that is like, you know, the business and revenue model, which Mm -hmm. cannot be underestimated because Mm -hmm. a lot of businesses at the moment are just basically still thinking in a web two way. You know, got my e-commerce, <laughs> got my database, I'm monetizing whatever I have. But in Web3, it doesn't work like that. So you need to learn that, you know, if you want to get into a metaverse, you need to start gamifying a lot of the actions that your customers are doing on your platform right now. And perhaps not all your customers are qualified to get into the metaverse. Because we know that there is like you know, an age bracket, you know, there are so many, you know, restrictions at the moment. 
hopefully soon will be lifted, but you know, it, it comes with adoption. So I think it's so important that they understand that there are certain steps that needs to be taken before they can actually fully succeed into this, uh, you know, into this metamorphosis as a Web3 brand. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yes, it's a good discussion. But again, it goes back to education. Mm-hmm. And that's why, by the way, we created a fully funded program called Web3 Open Innovation uh, Program. And we are basically going to start that in March. And it's going to be for all sorts of brands, corporate, small, medium website, uh, uh, small and medium sized companies uh-huh. who actually want to learn more about Web3. We're going to give them like a lot of very good knowledge because I want to tap into my experience uh, also as an educator in this space and just hopefully do something good for everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's super important. We're, you know, working on uh, a variety of things to kind of educate as well. And I think the whole yeah. industry benefits when, you know, consumers are much more aware of what are all the benefits of this and what does Web3 even mean? And, you know, what is the metaverse yeah. and things like that? So, yeah, it's there's a so some purpose that we have to get through. You know, I'd love to think about and and understand, you know, as you see this evolving, I mean, the last year, the last half of last year, I would say, you know, was a little tumultuous in the Web3 space. Mm-hmm. You know, fingers crossed, I think we're getting some more stability now and and things are, you know, again, uh, developing and there's a lot of excitement and, and a lot of you know, interest on the institutional side, definitely much better than there was in the 2018 crypto winner. What do mm-hmm. you think are, you know, some of the the things that, you know, as as consumers have gone through the last six months, what are some of the things that you think that it is really important for those people, you know, the people in the mainstream audience that, you know, see some of those stories what is it, what, what's going to get them excited about this? What do you think is going to get them to have confidence in this space in general? Well, first of all, seeing other brands that are going to join this space, reputable brands, and yeah. they really need to see, you know, other use cases. And that's why we're here as well, right? We are not uh, going to promote just an image. I keep repeating this, and I know it can be controversial, but I be- still believe that NFTs is so much more than just an image. And and I think you know when people will realize the full potential of NFTs, they will finally realize that they can do so many things also on the metaverse with these things. I think you know the two are so related that you know they cannot you know they have to walk together hand in hand together. Obviously. We've seen a lot of problems, of course, in the market. We had, yeah, you said tumultuous, to say the least. And of course, that is, again, down to education, right? You know, for crypto exchanges, like, you know, keep your, you know, your coins in your cold wallet, (laughs) just as a nice lesson from last year. But of course, I mean, then, of course, with regards to other projects, do your own research. I always say, like, you know, when there is a new project, there is a lot of hype really take a look at what has been done because you know it's just like it's so easy to be 
you know, swept away by all your friends and other people you you know on social media, on Twitter, like, you know, hey, there is this project, there is big hype around that project. But be careful because, I mean, not all the time that is the case. And, you know, you just basically need to take a look. Is, you know, is the team doxxed, undoxxed? You know, what are they building? Are they saying that, you know, who are their backers? Who are their investors? Because it's also very important to understand who they are. That is why I'm saying all the time to your own work. But for those ones who actually are in Web 2 and want to get into Web 3, mm -hmm. I always say, like, you know, just, you know, start upskilling your own people and mm -hmm. don't believe any so-called advisors or experts in this space mm -hmm. because i mean at the end of the day you know you will need you know of course there are a lot of great people in this space but it, you know sometimes it's difficult to recognize who's good or who's bad especially for you know those clients who just basically are on linkedin most of the time because twitter is not their space LinkedIn is their space, and they just basically see a lot of, uh, you know, content coming their way. It's very difficult, especially when these people, so-called experts, don't have any use cases to back up, you know, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So instead, I would say, like, you know, go to, you know, people who are doing things in this industry. Ask them. Ask you. You guys. Ask us. Ask, you know, people who actually have a product. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it's just like, because we know what it means to actually go through all of that iteration, speaking to customers, uh, you know, doing all the technical stuff behind and making sure that, you know, everything works well in the end, hopefully. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think, you know, it's more about like, you know, we need to see more use cases, concrete use cases, more players, you know, mm -hmm. that are coming up, of course, more mature products as well, because mm -hmm. last year it was still a lot of building. Right. This year, I think, is the year where we're going to start seeing more concrete, you know, application dApps going to come out. You know, the infrastructure layer as well is getting better and better, like, you know, more mature. So, you know, I, I really think that there would be like, you know, a lot of shifting this year that is going to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's a really a good assessment of what's coming and how I think the, the next year or two is going to be versus the last, you know, even two two, three years as uh, projects are becoming more concrete and tangible and thing use cases are becoming uh, more known and brands are getting on board. So I think that's a really smart yeah. uh, way of thinking about it. One question as well um, that I, I'm also curious about is since you have a very global kind of background and you've involved in a few different places in the world, you know, what are your thoughts on the different parts of the world. Um, again, Superworld's a world, so we're very interested yeah. in different parts of the world. Where do you think in the world right now are the hot spots for the metaverse or Web3? And how do you think about that? Why is that? And, and what do you notice about those places? Is there more business or business conversations easier to be had or more investors or kind of what's the thought? I'm sure that you will yeah. agree with me that there are a few of bads. Singapore, definitely one of them. Dubai, we keep hearing more and more. I'm actually going to go there in uh, 10 days' time uh, just to see it, like, you know, see it myself. By myself, I need to see this, huh. this hype. Yeah, I was just there. In yeah. Yeah, I keep hearing a lot of things about Dubai that it feels like, you know, a Silicon Valley, like, you know, 20 years ago, like everybody's on the street is either a startup or an investor. 
and just keep hearing like you know which sounds very exciting to be honest with you because that's what we're missing in europe that's what we are missing here and i think you know that it, except for crypto valley where you know we just see a lot of like you know stuff going on very active but uh again where things are done is mm-hmm. you know it, it's mainly east and of course the us us we got a completely different ecosystem there but i can talk about europe and and, you know, I was actually, as I mentioned at the beginning, Sweden. I mean, there are some very good cases, but it's very quiet. And even, you know, for instance, my students are struggling to find internships in blockchain and uh, Web3 companies based in Sweden. So that is a bit of an issue. Then, of course, I mean, we got Italy. Italy is a hotbed of uh, Web3 companies. Not many people know because, you know, they, they just don't know how to advertise themselves very well i mean that's criticism or you know you know it's it's reality i'm italian i can say that you know but and you know i think you know that's a little bit of an issue there but the talent is so great i mean we got from some fantastic developers we got fantastic people working in that space Uh, and then of course we got the uk the uk is pretty much like you know I mean, I live here, right? And I know the guys from non-origin very well because we were sitting in the same office when they started their uh, their uh, non-origin back in 2018, more or less. Mm-hmm. It was just, I could see James and Andy on their desks, stand-up desks, and they, they were just like, you we were talking about art. I still remember that. And they helped me a lot as well at the beginning with Digital Oracles. Uh, and now we actually opened uh, a blockchain, Manchester Blockchain Alliance, together mm-hmm. with them and uh, Sequence, another UI UX agency. Mm-hmm. So we are very close. And I think that, you know, Manchester, last we did our event, launch mm-hmm. event, three weeks ago, and we had 140 people in the room. And every single person actually had something to do with Web3. Mm-hmm. And I've not seen similar numbers in London. Like, you know, for an event that is so young, you see what I mean? Like, you know, we got mm-hmm. Crypto Mondays. I got a very dear friend of mine who runs Crypto Mondays. And she wrote something about, like, you know, on, on LinkedIn that they had a fifth anniversary and they had, like, you know, God knows how many people, two, 300 people in five years. I mean, in Manchester, it's like 140 people for after, like, you know, just the launch. It's incredible, right? Yeah. So I can definitely see this as a hotbed. And then apart from that, I know Lisbon has got a fantastic uh, ecosystem. I've been there so many times and every single time I'm so surprised. Plus the weather is nice and yeah. the food. I mean, let's talk about the food. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lisbon, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's uh, it's very good. But yeah, what about you? What, where, what do you think? Do you see similar trends? Yeah. I, I, you know, Superworld's very global by nature. We are a world, as I said, and and so always yeah. in touch with people from everywhere that are entering the space. You know, I I think that what's really interesting is that there's definitely places in the world like Dubai, like Miami, yeah. like Crypto Valley, like yeah. Lisbon, you know, that are definitely Singapore that are, you know, definitely much more open to these technologies on a regulatory uh, standpoint, oh, yeah. on a on a government standpoint in general. And, you know, it seems that, you know, certain events, let's say, of the last six months, you know, didn't affect certain places in the world as much as maybe they affected other places in the world um, in terms of like just sentiment. And, 
and so, you know, I think that that can always happen in different places, um, depending on the event. So I think sometimes events can be more localized in this ecosystem. We are global by nature in this ecosystem, but I also think that, you know, depending on the other kind of characteristics of a, of a place, some of those things can be buffered a bit because the government is so supportive of Web3 or there's, yeah. you know, investors uh, that have just created a critical mass of interest in a certain area or that, you know, the society itself is more oriented towards, you know, whether it's gaming or the metaverse or crypto. So I think there's kind of different aspects of what makes a place interesting. But, you know, yeah, we definitely see that in terms of what we're doing. I mean, with Superworld, you know, we have several showcase locations that we're working on. Miami, Dubai, Riyadh are, are just three of the kind of the starting points. But, you know, I think that each one of those hotspots you named are great kind of starting points for us to yeah. start, you know, looking at ways to collaborate with the local ecosystems. Yeah. And I think that as, you know, those ecosystems become more known and we're trying to do that, help, you know, people create yeah. events and create immersive content and, and Web3 integrations in all these places. Um, I think as that happens, the beauty of, I think, what we're doing is we're so much more interconnected than we were before. And so, you know, as people are traveling and as so many of us are nomads or, you know, traveling, yeah. that sentiment can get carried to the positive sentiment, I think, can can equally get carried to to places in the world where they're still kind of new to the space. So it's kind of like what you were saying. I think Crypto Mondays, you know, uh, Luke Kerner is a good friend of mine. The, the yeah. community that they've created all over the world is very powerful. And, you know, I think there's other such communities that, that also kind of spread this message. So we're very excited about working with them and those communities to, to help expand the message. And I think, Rish, you actually touched on something about investment as well. That was uh, interesting because that is an area that I, I actually am very passionate about since, you know, I'm a woman, you know, like you know, working Web3, like, you know, seeking investment. It's always a little bit of a hurdle, uh, <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, I can definitely see, like, you know, also why some ecosystems like, you know, Dubai and like Singapore, like, you know, even Hong Kong, you know, are still thriving or are thriving with regards to attracting talent Is that because they, they don't have fear of investing in, you know, the unknown, let's say. Mm. <laughs> let's call it the unknown, but now mm. it's less, a bit more known. But, you know, they don't have any fear to actually, you know, like, invest in projects that could potentially improve, you know, their lives, their ecosystem, their physical worlds. Whereas in Europe, we are always like, you know, so, and this is based on research. I'm not talking because of, mm. you know, I like to talk. I, it, you know, I've done a lot of research around mm. this. In, in Europe, we're definitely more risk averse, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes, especially like, you know, uh, we always like, you know, want to invest in something that we know or that mm -hmm. someone referred, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to us. And that is a problem because, I mean, especially when you have an ecosystem of investors, a hotbed of investors who look exactly the same like each mm -hmm. other, um, you know, and they get referred people mm -hmm. that are also look like each other. So there is like, you know, this real problem. And uh, I think, you know, we need to take more risks uh, because no risks, no rewards. 
And I think this is like, you know, always the message I give to every single investor. I, you know, I, I meet at these kind of events, I speak at panels, you know, it's just like I always, you know, tell everybody, please, you know, just do more research, right? Mm -hmm. On, you know, and just trust sometimes, like, you know, not only what you hear, but also what you see. <laughs> because yeah. there are a lot of very amazing teams and projects out there that don't get a chance. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great. Just be not afraid of exploring and learning. I think that's uh, a really great mentality. Yeah. To close out, I got two questions just to uh, you know kind of Go right. learn more about you know what drives you. If there's anyone you could meet and you could meet for lunch, um, in you know alive now or in history, who would you want to meet and what would you want to learn from this person? One day, when I started uh, the Accelerator Brink and Animoca Brands, I actually heard Yatsu mm -hmm. talking. Like, you know, it was, um, and then I, I saw him live. And he's the right person I would like to take out for lunch because the way he thinks about data and about the future of the metaverse, and he's a big supporter, he's a very big supporter of metaverse for sure. But also, like, you know, it's just in general, like, you know, decentralization. And I think that that kind of conversation would be very interesting, I think. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. I just saw him and had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago. And there you go. I, yeah. There you go. And he's, he is a very, very smart and global thinker in general. And uh, yes. I learn a lot about the open metaverse and, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of the, he, I use, I love his analogies is what I, I tell him this just the yeah. ways that when he's explaining something, I, I I borrow some of those. But yeah, very very happy to have people like yeah in the ecosystem that are so supportive. So that's really great. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll ask you uh, one last question. Since we're super world, and you know, again, we cover the surface of the Earth, and you can acquire geospatial virtual real estate covering the earth and then you know again activate monetization by building things in those areas mm -hmm. um, and so you can really find places in the world that are special to you and you can acquire those places as virtual real estate and then build there where in yeah. the world if you had a place in the world that you could buy virtual real estate in Superworld. What what speaks to you? Where would you want to build, and what would you want to build? Can I choose two places? Sure. Rather than one. Yeah, and you know the <laughs> average the average person picks about fifteen. Just so you know. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, said, I mean, I, I thought it's like you know one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like to pick fifteen to be honest with you. But to be to keep it to keep it short, yeah. I would like yeah. a summer holiday and a, and a winter holiday. Then it's <laughs> just so like I, I definitely love the Stockholm Archipelago. I think it's uh -huh. absolutely fantastic in summer. Uh -huh. So go around there with with the boat. That's the most amazing experience that you can have quiet beautiful relaxing so i definitely like you know like to build something there a nice chalet right you know a nice uh stuga as they say right you know by the by the beach and then of course greece i mean oh my god i mean you need a summer destination right and a winter actually more winter destination greece i mean santorini i went there like you know once and it was absolutely fantastic so yeah i would definitely like to actually go there and build a better airport for them as well <laughs> If I could, because I mean, the airport is quite teeny tiny. So yeah, no, absolutely. This uh, It's so much fun. I'm really looking forward to actually purchasing my land on uh, my Santorini and uh, my Stockholm Island. 
You should do it. Every every plot unpurchased is point one ether. So it's a good time to acquire virtual real estate and super world. Yeah. Uh, those are yeah. great stories. I always enjoy hearing the stories of people and, and yeah. why they're interested <laughs> in uh, certain places. You know, there's so much to the world and and uh, it's great to hear you know, the places that oh, you yeah. love. So I really yeah. enjoyed the conversation we had today. Oh. And, you know, thank you so much hey. for, for being on uh, the Building a Better World podcast. You know, really excited about all the things that you're doing to build a better world and to support the ecosystem and help more people get on board. So thank you so much. I guess I'll ask, you know, as a closing, what's the best places that people can find you online? How can people learn more about your work? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that you can paste my uh, my my LinkedIn in there, but of course, it's nifties.io. You can go there, and uh, you know, you will find our LinkedIn and Twitter and everything else. So, and Discord channel. So, just feel free to go there, and uh, you know, you everybody who actually comes to the platform will can create a free NFT. So, and that is when you know it's something you know again based on our value of inclusivity. We want everyone to actually create. So please come create your NFTs. We're looking forward to actually seeing new use cases, and uh, join us if you want to learn a little bit more about the Web three Open Innovation Program as well in March. And uh, you know we're gonna have more anyway um, coming soon. But thank you so much, Risha. Thank you. you. Know this was an amazing conversation. I'm so happy to actually meet other fantastic people in this ecosystem. And uh, thank you for the lovely chat. Really. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll be in touch. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Building a Better World. For more. Search Building a Better World in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Superworld, thanks for listening.